audit manager came in my office and said, hey, I was just at a firm and somebody asked me who, or at an event and somebody asked me what, who we are. And I just said, oh, Henry and Horan CPA firm. That's it. I was like, what? <laughs> We're more than that. And he's like, well, what, what am I supposed to say? I don't mm. know what to say. And I'm thinking, okay, we have a problem. We are a very well-known established accounting firm in the Valley. And now I have an audit manager who doesn't know what to say. Mm. So we need to, we need to fix this between the culture, what I think of the firm, you know, what the partner group thinks of the firm, but what was the perception out there? Like nothing was matching people. It just was a kind of a hodgepodge. It was kind of, I felt like it was a little messy. So that's when I decided to start, you know, doing my research and looking for um, somebody to come in and help us rebrand. You're listening to the Remarka Brand Podcast where authentic brands win. All right, everyone. We're excited to have another episode of the Market Brand Podcast. I'm Mike Jones, and with me today is... Sam Pagel. Sam, I'm excited for today's episode. We're going to be actually doing an interview a little bit later in our episode with Jamie Koshell from formerly of Henry & Horn, but now of Baker Tilly. After an acquisition, uh, Baker Tilly acquired Henry & Horn last December. And we're going to be talking to her about her lessons learned from 20 years in the marketing industry, particularly for accounting firms. I'm really excited about that conversation that we're going to have just a little bit. But before that, we should do what we always do. Name 10 things. Just remind everybody how this works. Name 10 things. A little improv exercise. Sam, I think, is going to throw out a topic. He and I are going to riff on it and come up with 10 random things that are answers to that question as quickly as we can. Yep. That's all it is. And today we're going to name 10 things you would never want to hear your accountant say to you. Hmm. I have bad news. Oops. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's as far as my knowledge goes on that song. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, you're going to be getting a call from the IRS? Mm, that's a good one. No, yeah. that that's a bad one. Actually. That's a bad one. That's a um, really bad one. We should do this again next year. <laughs> um. So, how much is in your bank account? <laughs> uh, do you want to grab lunch sometime? <laughs> uh, text message emoji sad face. Ooh, yeah, that would be it. That'd be a heartbreaker. Um, we we didn't get it done. Didn't get it done. <laughs> that was Man, ten. That was ooh, quick. That was stressful. Yeah. I'm glad we got that over with. Me too. That's what I say after every tax filing. <laughs> Find your frequency. Before we get into our interview with Jamie, we wanted to chat a little bit, just the two of us, um, about some of the things that we're going to be talking with Jamie about and just give some of our perspective because really the interview is all about Jamie and um, full disclosure, we've already recorded it. So I already know what's happening, yep. which is really cool. And I think there's gonna be some really interesting things there. I am excited for anyone in the marketing industry, whether you've been in it for a long time or a very short time from accounting marketing in particular, and just the lessons that Jamie has learned. I think Jamie, we met, I first met Jamie back in 2016. And she reached out to us and our firm to potentially help their firm, Henry and Horn, go through a rebrand. And we ended up 
getting that that project with them and and guiding them through that with Jamie. Um, it was a really, I think, fulfilling experience for everybody. <laughs> Took a while, um, as rebrands can do, especially for a firm that's you know 150 people, three offices across Arizona, and uh, it was a big deal for them. It was really a big deal. They had not really had uh, a refresh of their image. They had not really looked at their messaging in a while, and they had some some things. And Jamie will get a lot more into the details on some of the backstory in our interview, but. Um, I think it was just a really uh, interesting project for me in particular to really deep dive into the accounting world in a way I'd never really done before. Um, really got to know an accounting firm inside and out, really see how their culture really drove a lot of things for them. And how could we take that and apply that in the external communication, in the marketing? Um, and I think we learned a lot. We certainly developed a lot of our process so if you're reading our book or something like that, you're going to be seeing little highlights, things that we've learned over the years. And I think this was a pretty formative engagement that we had in forming a lot of our thinking and, and really putting into practice a lot of things that we'd been saying. Um, I think also um, just thinking through, we don't actually get to this in the interview, which was kind of funny. We, we got done with the interview and we're like, oh my goodness, we missed like kind of the one, one key punchline of this engagement is that. Jamie won six awards at the Association for Accounting Marketing Conference that year for the rebrand and the new website that we worked with her on, and, and I think a couple other projects that she had done over the course of that year. That was a, that was a crucial year for Jamie, uh, both within her firm and really building a lot of trust with her partners, but also I think externally amongst her peers in the accounting world, marketers in accounting firms, really recognizing that the work that Jamie had been doing and especially this rebrand, was, was something special and unique. And I think you'll get to this, you'll hear this in the interview. She says, you know, one of the reasons that she went with our firm was that we were not super embedded in the accounting world. We were not just kind of doing the same things over and over that maybe some other agencies were doing a little bit. And I think that came out in all those awards that she won of really trying to put, put a mark on Henry and Horn and say, hey, we are different. We do things a little differently. We are unique. We have a unique culture. Let's really put that out in the marketplace. And I hope that marketers, whether you're in accounting or not, really take in and hear those things in the interview and go, oh, wow, there's some really interesting things that maybe I can take away and work on with our brand. Um, I also just want to fully credit Jamie. She is, she, she's an amazing, um, negotiator of people, particularly with the partners in her firm, just able to really build a lot of trust over a long period of time. She has some great lessons that we're going to be talking about of how she's learned over the years, especially in the first 10 years, of how to earn trust, how to get a seat at the table. She ended up becoming principal in the firm before they were acquired. Um, and just I, I just, I have a lot of respect for Jamie just in that, right? I think she's a great marketer. She's done a great job marketing the firm. But her ability to navigate internal politics that just come with a lot of partners, right? And that just is inherent to having an ownership structure that a lot of accounting firms have where there's a lot of voices and a lot of opinions around the table when it comes to ownership. And as a marketer, you often are not one of those voices. You don't get that same credibility on day one. Maybe eventually you do, um, depending on who you are and how you, how you work that. But learning how to work with those owners and say, I'm here, I am 
for this company. The decisions I want to make are all about this company and making it better. How can I help you do that from a marketing perspective? And really learning how to, how to even push in areas where maybe you, you get some pushback. Um, Jamie's got great lessons in that. And I've seen those demonstrated like directly over the years with Jamie. She's a fighter. And she, is. and she doesn't just fight because she wants to get her way. She fights because she knows what's actually best for the firm. Yes. And there's, there's an art to that of like you as the marketer, you understand your craft, you understand what your firm should do, but that's not the end of the line. How are you actually going to get it done? How are you going to make it happen? Because it's not just your decision. You've got to run it past the partners and the team. And Jamie, we've seen over the years, she's an artist in that. She in really that. is. Um, she really and she is. does that really well. And, uh, and she really believes in it. So she's patient. Um, she, she mm. you know, learns um, who her audience is internally and learns how to communicate things well to them so that it's clear. Yeah, and just to give everyone a heads up, this is going to be a two-part interview. So this episode, you'll get about half the interview, really focused on Jamie's experience over 20 years as a marketer in the accounting industry, lessons she's learned in that, and I think some really key lessons of how to build a great, a great brand, really. Um, and then in part two, in the next episode, we will wrap up our interview with Jamie and we'll get a little bit into mergers and acquisitions and maybe some ways that firms can think about and maybe prepare ahead of time for those encounters with their brand. I think there's things that a lot of firms are, are maybe missing out on as they jump into a merger or they look to acquire or be acquired that maybe in the long run or maybe in the short run are going to hurt their brand a little bit, even in that transitionary period, whether your brand's the one that's going to kind of win out in the end or last, right, still stick around. I think those are things that um, I'm really excited to to uncover with Jamie. Um, and I'm excited for everyone to listen to those. So that'll be episode two that's coming out after this one. You are remarkable. I am super excited to have Jamie Koshell on our podcast today on the Remarkable Brand Podcast. Jamie has been a longtime friend of Resound and client at one point, which was super fun. We'll get into that. There's lots more storytelling to go there. But she is now director at Baker Tilly. And she is joining us in the studio today to talk about her experience as a marketer in the accounting world and her experience at Henry and Horn prior to them merging into Baker Tilly just very recently, actually. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit about that, um, uh, but I'm very excited to have you on, Jamie. I'm thankful that you can make the time to, to be here with us. Thank you, Mike. I'm excited to be here, too, and, and talk about my experience and Share all my accounting marketing wisdom with you. Yeah, all of it. We're going to get all of it out in less than an hour. There no, you go. That's not happening. <laughs> it's definitely not happening. But yeah, just tell, tell our listeners a little bit about kind of how you got into accounting marketing, your background, and the experience that you've built over the years. Well, funny. So I've been in accounting marketing for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I you know I, I got into it when I was like 12. So <laughs> I know it's a joke. Everybody always says I had to do it. Um, no, um, out of school, I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and I started there at a firm, SVA, as their marketing coordinator. I worked there for three and a half years. I can tell you right now, I never desired to be in accounting marketing. It wasn't the fun, cool 
you know, industry to be in when you're leaving college as a marketing grad. But I loved it there. Had a great team. It was a great firm. Uh, moved to Arizona mainly for the weather. Hmm. I mean, it was I did not like the winter in Wisconsin. So it was like time to get out. And I started at Henry and Horn. I was there for 17 years crazy. before we merged into Baker Tilly. So yeah, I was there for a very long time. Lots of counting marketing experience to talk about there. Lots of projects, lots of initiatives. Um, yeah, we went through a rebrand in 2016 yeah, with you guys. Yes. That was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we merged into Baker Tilly December 1. Mm. And I'm now there as their director in their enterprise marketing team. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. What would have been kind of some of the highlights over those 20 years for you of just things that kind of stand out as either big learning lessons or things that you would want to impart to other marketers in accounting? Big learning lessons. I would say, number one, I learned very early on that no is not a negative thing. Hmm. So when the leadership team would tell me no on something, I felt like it was an opportunity to turn that into a yes. Hmm. Maybe they just didn't understand what I was talking about. If you got to remember, they're accountants. They don't understand you know, the world of marketing as we as much as I do or we do. So I would when they would say no at the exec executive committee meetings, I'd be like, hmm, is that really a no? No, I would then go back to the drawing board. Like, mm. what didn't they understand? Turn that no into a yes. And usually nine times out of 10, I'd go back a few months later and change my approach, change my presentation, get them to understand the importance of what I was trying to accomplish. And mostly... I did turn it into a yes. Hmm. That, and then as the years went on, that was, I learned that on earlier in my career. <laughs> no is an opportunity. It's not a negative thing. I like that. I like that a lot. Later on in my career, I learned that um, they, to get a seat at the table, they don't know they need you until you show them hmm. that they need you at the table. Hmm. So that's how I always got my, that's how I eventually turned into a oh by the way I didn't say I was turned into I was a marketing partner at Henry and Horn before we merged into Baker Tilly which as people in the accounting marketing industry know that is a hard thing to accomplish um but yeah they, they I I wanted to see a table and I had to show them that they needed me there hmm. those are really good lessons yeah those are really good um I can think of a lot of marketers I've had conversations with in the last couple of years, especially that I think they're hungry for those lessons. Yeah. And they're hard lessons to learn. I, they I are. just know having been around for seeing some of those being employed, <laughs> some it's, of those tactics. It's it, like, yeah, those are, those are hard. And, and the thing is you can't, I always I couldn't, I couldn't take it personally that they didn't have me at the table. It's not mm -hmm. like they were like, Oh, we want to leave Jamie out. It was yeah. like, they're accountants. They don't think that these certain conversations are going to benefit, you know, the marketing leader and, and help drive change and, and innovative ideas and whatnot. And we can help solve your problems. They don't think that way. So it's not a personal thing mm -hmm. that you're not there. It's not that because they don't like you. It's just that they're not thinking that their conversations affect marketing. Yeah. And I'm sure at some level, too, there's just a level of trust you have to build yes. with them as well. First, you got to go through the trust. Yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely did that over the years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then you, then once you build the trust, then you have the report with all of them. You know, I'll say when I started at Henry and Horn, 
um, you know, they didn't have a marketing culture hmm. um, 17 years ago. So I definitely had to build up that trust and that rapport with all of them um, and let them know the importance of marketing and why they needed me and why I need, they needed a department to hmm. help them grow. Yeah. What, what are some of the things maybe that contributed to building that culture of marketing that were impactful for just uh, getting partners on board with that idea? A lot of it, I think, was, um, well, it is a, a, a multitude of things, but I think I was just always, a, you know, number one, no was never a no with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was always an opportunity. Yep. Um, I was always looking, putting the firm first. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just coming up with ideas to um, spend the firm's money like maybe the partners <laughs> might have thought. I always showed why this would benefit the firm mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the growth and how it would impact them. Um, you know, and I always kind of would always think about if I'm ready to go fight at the table, would I spend my own money on this initiative? Mm. And if I would, then I fought for it um, until I turned that no into a yes. That's a really good mindset. You know, that's helpful. Yeah. Have that that recognition of like, if it doesn't make dollars and cents, it's gonna be really hard for for them to buy off on it. And I think, too, they saw my passion in yeah. my drive and if they're like well wow if she really believes in this then it must be right for the firm but i also too stayed very connected with my colleagues across the u.s through aim and i was able to say hey this is what the industry is doing mm-hmm. we don't want to be behind or hey this is where the industry should be going we need to be ahead of it mm. be the the front runners let's do this mm. you know like we started blogging back in 2008 <laughs> before we were like one of 64 accounting firms globally that started blogging that's crazy so they didn't understand what i was talking about but they did like the one in 64 <laughs> accounting firms you know being only one of 64 uh-huh. accounting firms globally to do this initiative and it was very little money to to do that back in 2008 so it was just like like oh that's yeah, let's do, let's, let's do it. That I don't know what you're talking about, but let's do it. <laughs> and I felt like that was the starting path of turning mm. their, you know, building that rapport with them, that trust with them. Because then I was able to show them data and analytics from the, our first blog, yeah. which then turned into, and then we ended up with, I think, seven or eight. I think it was, yeah, I was just, I was thinking about that. I was like, when we redid the website, it was what, eight? I think it was eight. I think blogs. so. We ended up, I think, with eight blogs at the end um, because we was able to show hmm. what it, what the impact it made. Yep. Yeah, and it you know once you show it once, I think that was another lesson I I've gotten from you that I can't stop talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope that's okay. But just your ability to see how you can start something small, like okay, we want to get to this end, this big end that I want to have with the firm and with the marketing. I think, for example, one was like working on like social media, building, you know, more of a personal usage of social media as a marketing tool for um, different staff, you know, and and obviously the partners in the firm and just saying, hey, let's start small and build some credibility around that, build some consensus around that. And then we know that it'll get bigger. Yes. And I've used that that way of of doing things um multiple times like i said i started with one blog let's start with one niche one blog Mm. show the impact what it can do and then we'll duplicate those efforts in the other areas 
Um, I did the same thing. Um, we, we were working before the merge. We were working on a restaurant niche. We were doing a whole digital marketing plan, changing up the way we were doing their blog and their content plan, making it all digital. Um, and we were in the process of creating a blueprint for it. And then the plan was, once we were done, we were going to duplicate those efforts in our other industries mm -hmm. as well. So we do that. I was doing that a lot. I always yeah. start out small. And then once you can show the wins, yep. it becomes bigger. Yeah. It's hard to say no when you're winning. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how I ended up with eight blogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, zooming in on 2015, 16, right? I think that's roughly the time that we met. Yes. And you were starting to think about the brand for Henry and Horn. What, what were some of the signals that you were seeing that were like, this is not working. Our brand is not working for us. Um, we were, cause we did a whole culture shift at Henry and Horn. Mm. Um, and it was a fun, young, forward thinking culture. Um, it was great culture. And then, but our visuals weren't really <laughs> matching no, with didn't. who we are with inside Henry and yeah. Horn. And then the kind of also our content wasn't mm. really matching and it wasn't consistent either. So it was, it was kind of like, this, this isn't working. This isn't working. But how am I going to tell this to the, <laughs> the partners? Because, you know, that's an expense. Yeah. So. And there's emotions in it, too. There's emotions. A lot of emotions. Yeah. I mean, we were uh, uh, been around since 1957. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of history there. And then but what really got to me was the one time I was an audit manager came in my office and said, hey, I was just at a firm. And. Somebody asked me who, or at an event, and somebody asked me what, who we are. And I just said, oh, Henry and Horn, CPA firm. That's it. I was like, what? <laughs> We're more than that. And he's like, well, what, what am I supposed to say? I don't mm. know what to say. And I'm thinking, okay, we have a problem. We are a very well-known, established accounting firm in the Valley. And now I have an audit manager who doesn't know what to say. Mm. So we need, to, we need to fix this between the culture, what I think of the firm, you know, what a partner group thinks of the firm, but what was the perception out there? Like nothing was matching. It just was a kind of a hodgepodge. It was kind of, I felt like it was a little messy. So that's when I decided to start, you know, doing my research and looking for um, somebody to come in and help us rebrand. Mm -hmm. And then also sell that to the, yeah. <laughs> to the partners <laughs> as well because that is not yeah. an easy task to do i will i will let you know that no and I, i'm I, but, sure it's not but again i didn't see it as, i was i saw it as a challenge for me yeah yeah but i i think that goes back to you know you had spent years now building trust building wins right mm -hmm. to where when you go in and yeah it's still hard to convince them that this is a right decision but like they know that your heart is behind this as this is for the good of the firm. And this is this is really something I think very strongly about that will really help us. Yeah. And I was able to show like, you know, that you guys, this is our visuals that we're pushing out there. Now, does this say who Henry and Horn is that mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, internally, our culture, the culture shift we had? This doesn't, does this match this? Yeah. And I was able to show them visually and that was a huge part. I also did the example of how our audit manager didn't know how to represent <laughs> us out there in the public. And I was just like, I mean, obviously that was a little mortifying, but yeah. 
was like, if we can get a cohesive brand, a consistent brand, and mm. and 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 live and breathe it here at Henry and Horn internally and push out externally, I said, you know, that will really solve um, those problems. They'll know how to represent who you know who we are mm-hmm. when they're out there talking about us. Yeah. So you, you go through this process, right? And and you come out the other side with new brand. Yeah. Um, and you start releasing that to the world. What are some of the lessons in terms of how to effectively kind of, how do you do that effectively? How do you make sure that everyone's now, we, we've started saying like singing from the same hymn book, right? And starting to really like think about things all in the same way, you know, with their own unique personalities, but but starting to really all coalesce around the brand yeah and again i'm gonna um again just to remind everybody i'm talking about henry and horn because that's where yep. i spent 17 yep, yep. years of my career there um basically once we we did we got through the whole rebrand and we did a whole like internal launch we trained everybody on it and mm. you know thanks to you guys you guys gave us a, re- a remarkable book <laughs> and honestly we like lived and breathed through that thing mm. <laughs> because it, it gave us at least definitely marketing for sure it gave us all the guidelines for content, for visuals, et cetera, and how to, you know, represent Henry and Horn when you're either writing it or speaking about the firm, um, the voice, the tone, et cetera. Um, so we did the, the when we launched internally, we did a whole rebrand training that everybody walked out with their own Remarkable Book. Um, and then anytime we hire anybody onboarding, the process was going through the brand training, and then they got their Remarkable Book as well. So nobody had a question how to represent the firm when they're out there or, or writing a blog post or article or whatever. Um, everybody understood mm. who we are. Well, even recently, you, it, your Halloween party. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was t- before we started recording, I was telling Mike about this. So last October, so at Henry and Horn every year, we did these crazy Halloween decorations and each department took a portion of the hallways and would just go all out. And I'm talking like, all out we just all kinds of different themes and then kids would come through and trick-or-treat for halloween well this last october our audit department did a medieval times theme and they built a castle within the audit department like a legit <laughs> castle this thing was really cool so when i was walking around i walked up to the cat like is that they had these like flags and it was logo branded and i walked up to the flag i was like is that the is that the correct Kelly Green? And the the senior manager's like, yep. And I pulled the numbers, out, the Pantone numbers from the Remarkable book that I still have in my office. So it was like, it was still being used. And that was actually really cool. Like it was legit the correct green that they had created mm. for the flag on this, this castle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think accounting firms need to really be thinking about as they're thinking about their brand, right? Like what, what are the things that maybe they should be considering or worried about or, or pursuing in terms of really making sure that they know their brand and they are kind of living it? I mean, I would say, yeah, first back up. I mean, I know get your partner group to understand or not just partner group, but the whole firm. I mean, these are accountants that what a brand actually is. Hmm. Because I know when we did the process, people just thought a brand was your logo and, mm-hmm. and the colors and the, you know, the pretty package that marketing keeps putting out there. But 
you need to get them to understand like what it actually is that it's actually the foundation of who you are you know like mike you had said when we first started rebranding which i always repeat to people is <laughs> you know if you're come if your organization is a person how do you want them represented out there mm-hmm. and so that's what you first need to get them to understand that a brand is not the logo and the colors that just supports your brand and helps explain the brands. I think that is the biggest one of one of the bigger hiccups. Because I think once you get that, once they understand what that is, a lot, then it becomes a lot easier to let them that they see that they really need to hmm. do a rebrand. Yeah. What are what are some ways that you think accounting firms could continue to level up their brand? Right. I mean, you go through this rebrand process, but I don't feel like it's that's not the end. <laughs> you know, it's like obviously you got to get it out there and you've got to deepen in terms of how people perceive it. Yeah, I definitely how to up their brand. Um well, first off, you want to make sure it's consistent. Mm. I mean, if you don't yeah. have consistency, that's a huge problem. And I'm talking about everything from your social media posts to the content to the website to even your your graphics at your conferences that you're attending. Everything should be consistent. Um, down to, you know, the client experience when they're walking into your lobby, the consistency from the different offices you mm-hmm. have, um, you know, not just the visuals, but how they're treated when they walk in the door. You want them to be treated a certain way that the, the brand is held at. Um, so everything from the client experience all the way through to all the visuals, the content you're pushing out there. And also, too, when it comes to your brand, as we've learned through the pandemic, you don't have to stay local. Mm. You know, you 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 got clients throughout the whole US now, or prospects that you yeah. can reach out to throughout the whole US. So you can make your brand more of it on the national level mm. if you choose to. Yeah. So there's an opportunity. Yeah. For you to do that. I think that's a really interesting point. I think that's something we've been talking about internally here and just seeing how accounting firms that that idea of this hyper geo graphically focused firm maybe is shifting a little bit that maybe that doesn't hold as much power or there's not as much opportunity in that and that you know it's like I, you know I take our firm for example we're not a big firm we've got like 10 people and you know we're we're like we need a we need a CPA who can handle employees in three states now yeah right like there's a complexity of business that um, it's just demanding that someone, a, a firm has a, a broader range of experience and expertise across state lines and across geographic areas. Yeah. Um, I, we're doing this big research project and that's one of my, one of my goals. We're still kind of sifting through all the data and pulling out insights, but I'm, I'm hoping to show too that like there is a ton of opportunity for firms to kind of rethink how they position themselves. Um, I think there's still a time and place for that really hyper local, you know, hey, we're focused on this city and we own this city and this is what we do and we love this city and we're all about it. Um, but I think there's a lot of opportunity beyond that to say, hey, there's certain kinds of businesses we're best suited to serve or a certain um, scale of business um, where they're encountering some of these problems. I just feel like, especially in the last three years, it's like everybody's kind of gotten churned up. Absolutely. And, and so this positioning that maybe worked 5, 10, 15 years ago might not work as well anymore. Yes, I will I'll add to that too because that was definitely one of the things we used to use. Henry Horn did it back in the day mm-hmm. was the Arizona's largest locally owned because yeah. 
we didn't know how else to yeah. represent ourselves because we didn't know who we are, yeah. how, who we were before we did the rebrand. Yeah. So we did go off that, just like every other accounting firm does. Yep. But at the end of the day, does the prospect really care if you're the largest locally owned CPA firm? I think less so. I mean, yeah, there I mean, might have been a time and place, you yeah. know, like I could think back like even 20, 30 years ago, I think doing business with people you knew locally had some carried some weight to it. And I'm not saying it doesn't anymore at all, but I, I think it does in some but mm -hmm. it, it's because we did have some prospects that would come through and we knew that they really cared about yep. local business. So we definitely, you know, played up on that. But that wasn't the majority anymore. Yeah. So and also, too, that's also hard to uphold every single year because anybody could come up and take that away. So is that really a good way to brand yeah. yourself when that that can be taken away? Yep. Yeah. How do you feel about firms that are, are full service? Like, uh, that's another kind of positioning track that we've seen a number of firms take. And I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around whether I think about that. But, um, you know, I think that's a good thing because I think as a, as a consumer, a lot of people like their stuff handled in one spot. Like, mm. do you really want to go to five different people for one thing? Plus, as a marketer and a business development person, the more you sticky you make the client the more they're, they're going to stay. It's a lot harder to leave a client that's using three, four, or five of your services. That's very true. Than if they are only using one service. It's a lot easier just to, to go find somebody new. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, you know, not a bad approach. Yeah. Sorry, I put you on the spot. I know you one. did. I didn't have that one prepared. <laughs> that was a... Uh, but, you know, that's, that's... That's an interesting thought I just had. Yeah, but that, that yeah, that's... I think the more services you can offer, mm -hmm. the better. The, 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 you'll make them stickier. Yeah. Um, what... It's a little bit more of a marketing question, maybe. I mean, everything is brand building, right? At some level, all marketing probably builds or detracts from your brand at some level. But what do you see kind of coming or what do you see as being really helpful for firms? What what maybe new channels or technologies or things within marketing that they should be thinking about and pursuing? Anything with automation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I know like now being at Baker Tilly, it's a large marketing department, mm -hmm. over 150 people. So um, there's a, there's like a lot of people on the team. But I know like at Henry and Horn, when we were smaller and there's only three of us, anything to automate to to make the job easier mm. is the best route to go. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I just started looking into and understanding that chat GPT stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I've been playing um, around with it a little bit. So have I. It's been it, really... It's been weird. <laughs> it has been. It's been really weird, but it also has been, um, yeah, very robotic. Uh -huh. It definitely yes. can't be the tried and true that this yeah. is what you live, you know, stand behind. But it's definitely a great starting point, yeah. I think, because I definitely have been playing around with it just to see, oh, what what what, yeah. what will this look like if I put it in ChatGPT? Yeah. Um. So it's a great. I think it's a, a great tool to yeah. help reduce you know, some stress off your back when yeah, you're trying to create content. Unblank the page or the other thing I've seen, uh, I was, I was messing around a little bit and a friend of mine who works in marketing was, was messing around. He was showing me, um, that he was taking content he'd already written and saying, summarize it, produce social media posts from it. Oh. Almost like the inverse of it. It's like, I'll take, I'll create the original content myself, but I want help kind of reducing it down into bite-sized pieces. Well, that maybe is a task for you know, an AI bot 
Um, that is that. That's a great, so great way to use. He got it too. some use out of it. It was, it was clearly still a little robotic. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's a lack of kind of humanity in some of the the language that it was kicking back. Yeah, and the other thing we were doing at um, Henry and Horn before the merge was like I was talking about the restaurant stuff, and we were going all in on a digital marketing plan, everything digital, mm-hmm. like drip campaigns, workflows, sequences, mm-hmm. everything with um, our restaurant prospects, um, and then that was what we were going to duplicate across the board. But yep. yeah, then Baker Tilly swooped in. <laughs> then we merged in with yeah. Baker Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> The Remarka Brand Podcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and David Kosand. It's produced and edited by Sam Pagel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at RemarkableCast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, Find out more about the Remarka Brand podcast or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode. Check out our website at remarkablecast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media LLC 2022.